Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It's Monday. I can't believe the weekend went so fast. I know. Sadly, you had a busy weekend, by the way, too, John. Can you... we? By the way, can we get another day in between Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> yeah, you can. Fit, I mean, if anyone can do it, you can do it, you John Katsimatidis. <laughs> you can arrange it. Peter King, you, you were a congressman for 28 years. You couldn't get an extra day in between? John, if you had called me when I was in Congress to do this, I would have done it. I would have done it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know uh, anybody who... Who would vote against it? Well, here's the deal. I'm so happy I have King's Highway. I didn't push for any other laws. That's oh, really right. set and his priorities. Promised, uh, no uh, congestion pricing no congestion on pricing. King's Highway. And King's unlike highway. some people, I'll keep my word on that. Ah. There, there's so many things going on. And Curtis, I was worried about yesterday. And yes, he's calling we were all right were. now. And, and uh, uh, we had a great uh, weekend. We had uh, a breakfast uh, for... Uh, Eric Adams. Oh, interesting. Uh, just to listen to what he has to say. Great. And uh, he was a, uh, if you listen to Eric Adams, he could have sold you to Brooklyn Bridge for sure. Ah, well. You know, listen, he's a very nice guy. A very charming, friendly guy. Very charming guy. guy. Uh, I commended him on, on Brooklyn when he was eight years, eight years Brooklyn Borough president. Uh, the skyline of Brooklyn has changed a great deal. Uh, and uh, everybody listened and was very respectful. Well, and also, John, he is speaking out against the Biden administration, at least saying there's problems. Kathy Hochul the other day actually said it started at the federal level and it needs to be fixed. Well, the issue is we uh, they want more money. We're talking something else. Well, it's going to be a thing. We also had John Poulos as a speaker. Oh, the uh, Dominion Voting Machine Company. Ah. And uh, he was a very, very interesting person, a, a good businessman and uh the new billionaire in Toronto. Oh, yeah. He got uh, a lot of money. A lot of money. I, well, we'll have to find out some he of the details about those. He's got five more lawsuits outstanding and, and they're not stopping and they're going after those five people. Wow. He, he's going to be busy. He is going to be busy. Yeah. Wow. I understand. Curtis Lee was on? Yes, he is. And he, Curtis, uh, he Curtis got out. out. He got out. Put him away. back in. Uh-huh. They're coming to take me away. Oh, <laughs> well, they took you away. What? I mean, you know, are you going to go for the uh, hundred? Uh... Curtis, give us well, an update. What the heck is going on? I mean, there's so many people so upset about what's going on. It's unbelievable how many people are upset. Well, I got arrested. My 80th act of civil disobedience uh, yesterday with two people who are actually older than Peter King. They're both wow. 81 years old. Oh, and... fighting words. <laughs> this time. This time, they photographed us and fingerprinted us. You would have thought that we were Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. I said to the cops, I've never had a desk appearance ticket where they fingerprint you and photograph you. I said, what do you think? This 81-year-old guy is Jesse James and the 81-year-old woman is Ma Barker. And they took the code of Omerta. So I understood. But we got out. And I got back in enough time to join Andrew Giuliani, who substituted for me, and then Dominic Carter. And then with Sid Rosenberg this morning. Wow. So, and, uh, you know, let me ask you a silly question. What people were worried about you, uh, about what was the time of your arrest? 
time of my arrest was about 3.30. I had just given the speech. Remember, I had to calm the crowd down. Before that, it was a bit of brawling. Antifa attacked us. And, you know, we had mostly elderly people there from the outer boroughs. And uh, unfortunately, this is what Antifa does. They look to crush skulls. They don't want to exercise. Did, they hurt it? did, I have no did Antifa hurt any people? Uh, yes, they did. They hurt a few, but not seriously. The NYPD reined them in. But again, I say to all detractors, you have free speech, we have free speech. Let everybody speak, and then let the people make up their minds on their own as to who may be right or wrong on that issue. Hey, Curtis, all kidding aside, you, know, you and I go back and forth. Let me just say you're doing an outstanding job on this, and I fully agree when you say you have to keep them peaceful. Because, again, if there's any trouble like that on our side, the media is going to run with it. And there's no need for it, and you've told them that. Just you can really reinforce that with some of the people. Like, you know, some of them were fighting with the cops on Friday night. I mean, you are doing a great job getting them out there. You can't let three or four people, you know, ruin it for everyone and undo the good work you're doing because you're, you're the one who's orchestrated this whole thing, and thank God you are. Yeah, you got to stay calm. You know, I, I want to ask, too, Curtis, the Antifa, where are they coming from? Like, who's sometimes we've seen in some of these other protests around the country, they're coming from outside even the area. No, they're local. I recognize them from the summer of 2020. Remember, they broke my jaw with a claw hammer when de Blasio ordered the cops to retreat, and I yep. and the guardian angels were the only one in the street. Curtis, so, is somebody paying them? I don't know. But as anarchists, remember, they don't believe in any government. They were critical of Eric Adams, too. It's not like they attacked me and the demonstrators. No, they attack everything that's organized. They want no prisons, no cops, no government, total anarchy. And you know what happens then. If we have no police, we have no democracy. We will have anarchy. Uh, Curtis, where are you going tonight or tomorrow? I'm going to St. John's uh, Villa Academy, which is right now the flashpoint. And we keep everybody cool, calm, and collected because the whole world will be watching Staten Island tonight. And we're going to have, uh, later on in the show, Curtis, we're going to have Ed Romaine, uh, who, you know, Bruce Blakeman said, no way uh, are we making Nassau County a sanctuary city. Uh, Ed Romaine is running for county executive Suffolk County, and he's going to be yelling about today, no way are we going to make Suffolk County a, uh, uh, you know, a sanctuary, a, a sanctuary uh, county. I mean... That That is the call sign. That is the bugle. <clears throat> yeah, well, I tell you, uh, yesterday when uh, Eric Adams was at your breakfast, I don't know if any of the guests there brought up the fact that he wrote a letter to Kathy Hochul just the day before. He wants the National Guard Air Base in West Hampton to house the illegal aliens. That is crazy. Never but, happened. Yeah, Absolutely. I have to have a county executive there who's going to stand up to him like Blakeman and like Ed Day did in Rockland County. Yep. Yeah. They have to. One, one more thing, Curtis. Somebody made, made an accusation from Staten Island uh, that one of the newspapers, and I won't name the name of the paper, they they uh, uh, they photoshopped uh, a something onto their chest or something. You know anything about it? uh, You know, that's like conspiratorial. I like to just stick to what we know and not what we we hope was. We just have to remain, as Peter King said, he is the best uh, indicator that if we remain cool, calm, and collected, we can't give any of our foes, any of our critics, any ammunition to knock the chair right from under our legs. 
We have to be cool, right. calm, collected, and peaceful. Peaceful, nonviolent protest is the way to go. We brought moderate Democrats, Republicans, and independents together. Moderate Democrats um, and Republicans and uh, independents. you got to put them all together. Oh, oh so, Curtis, I was at a... Uh a meeting in North Hempstead, say with Republicans, all we're talking about is New Hyde Park, then also Floral Park, which is just outside the town of North Hempstead. Lake Success, Manhasset, all these areas are petrified of that tent facility that's going to be right at the county border. Yeah, well, there are 800 young, single, able-bodied men there right now with nothing to do, nowhere to go, hanging out in the park in Queens. And, you know, it's just a matter of time, Congressman King. They're going to get on the free buses for them to uh, uh, you have Great Neck and the bus to Hillcrest, and then they're going to go roaming about. Most won't do any harm. They'll be looking for work. But, you know, a small percentage might do home invasions, might do thefts, might do robberies, or create chaos. Yeah, well, keep us posted, Curtis. Stay safe. Don't forget, you have three sons to raise. (laughs) That's for sure. I got that child support. Thank you, John. (laughs) I get paid every two weeks. Stay safe, uh, Curtis. Be good, uh, Curtis. Yeah, thank you. And by the way, uh, big news today uh, that in Missouri, uh, a judge ruled in favor of the state of Missouri uh, to pass a ban on gender changing treatment. We're talking about for children. And joining us now is the Attorney General of the great state of Missouri, Attorney General Andrew Bailey. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, uh, first of all, your thoughts on how important this is. Everybody around the country is talking about it today. Yeah, this is a huge win towards protecting children in the state of Missouri. It's an important fight to make, and we're proud to have delivered a win towards that objective. Look, you got to take these people to court and hold them accountable, make their experts own the fact that their position is not based on science, that any studies they're relying on are weak science at best, and that they're ignoring the evidence coming out of Europe, that these are dangerous procedures that ultimately harm children. And so an important win in the fight to protect kids. I I can't believe there was that woman in Disney uh, that was uh, converting, convinced her five-year-old and six-year-old that that, uh, they should become a transgender. And what was the other one, uh, Rita? Trans something else. Yeah, it was like the AB. It was all this. And also you had a case also, Mr. Attorney General, in your state where the woman said there was no mental health care, basically training. It was like a what, it was like a half hour discussion with doctors. And here she was a teenager and said, OK, you got to hurry up and get this gender transition surgery. She the parents felt pressured. She felt pressured, and now she regrets it. It's sort of a classic case of what happens. And again, we're talking about for kids. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We had a whistleblower come forward and make some really specific, incredible allegations against a clinic in St. Louis, Missouri, that amounts to nothing short of child abuse. And the allegation is that several of these parents didn't actually have a chance to give real consent because they were pressured when they have their kids standing in front of them and a clinician, a trusted healthcare professional is telling them, do you want a live son or a dead daughter? They felt pressured. That's coercion. It's not consent. And that's what we're fighting against. Were you um, surprised? Uh, I'm sure happy that the judge ruled in your favor. But there's a lot of people who are coming out here. I mean, there are critics on the other side who are saying uh, that this is against kids. What, what do you say to the people who say it's against kids' rights? Well, against the kids' rights. That's what they're saying. A five-year-old, a six-year-old will know what kids are. I know. I agree with you. It's crazy. They do what their mother or father tells them it's to do. It's crazy. And also, where the issue, too, 
as you know, Mr. Attorney General, it's also about all the emotional state. That's why I brought up the case that they didn't give the woman mental health care. They didn't even help the parents kind of make a quick decision. What do you say to these folks? Because I agree with John. How can a young child make a decision that's life altering? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, the, the left wing hate machine is in full tilt against us. But at the end of the day, national opinion is shifting on this issue in our favor because people are seeing what it is. The left wants to sterilize kids, and they're more interested in a social agenda than actually protecting kids from the sterilization machine. Well, I think it's a sick, sick adults that try to, to, to do that to their kids, and, and they should go to jail because a 5-year-old, 6-year-old, 10-year-old doesn't know any better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is illegal for me to consent to my five-year-old riding in the front seat of my car because it's dangerous, and yet somehow it's okay to consent to a sterilization of children? It's absolute lunacy. Congressman King? Uh, again, uh, Mr. Attorney General, congratulations on what you're doing. I think this is madness, what's happening in the country and the world. And uh, really, you're on God's side. You're on the side of, the, of rightness here. This is absolutely wrong. And so thank God for what you're doing. Hey, thank you, sir. Really appreciate you. Well, Attorney General Bailey, thank you so much, and keep doing the great work you're doing, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, sir. Look forward to it. All the best to you and your listeners. Thank Good you. Luck. Bravo. And we're going to take a break, and who are we going to come back with? We have Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett has some big bombshell news about where it's headed with Biden, and also, guess what um, date they pick for Trump's case, John? Right before Super Tuesday. Oh, my I God. I mean, come on. And, and, and stay tuned. Before the end of the show at 545, we're going to have Bill O'Reilly, and he's got some bombshells. Let's take that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, just a few hours ago, a judge in D.C. decided, guess what? Uh, on the D.C. election case, there's a lot of cases with Trump. The date that she picks is March 4th, 2024, which is a day before the biggest, basically, campaign contest, Super Tuesday, which is all the different states. Uh, it's 15 states. I mean, are you kidding me? So don't the American people realize how political this is? It is. It is so transparent. It's incredible. Let's bring in Greg Jarrett here on Cats and Cosby, of course, great Fox News legal analyst. Greg, this is amazing because, remember, Georgia pitched out March 4th. Uh, and now D.C. has decided, I assume they would supersede uh, the Fulton County case. But what's your reaction? Talk about election interference. Yeah, I mean, the fact that both of them wanted the day before the Super Tuesday primary in which 15 states are voting in the Republican primary suggests, well, it, it, it clearly shows that this is election interference. Uh, you know, they want to scuttle, uh, you know, President Trump's re-election bid. And the best way to do it is take him off the campaign trail, inundate him with four different indictments, uh, and, you know, try to smear and sully him uh, in the minds of the voters. What happens, to with the Georgia case? Because that's the other one that the uh, DA in Fulton County, Georgia, is also looking for the same date. And so what happens? Does this take precedent or do they haggle it out? And does he have to be there in court, too, also, Greg Jarrett? Well, generally, in a criminal case, you do have to be there in court. There are some exceptions, uh, but that would have to be approved by the judge. So, 
yes, the federal case, it was filed first under the supremacy clause. It would take precedence over the state court case. Uh, but, you know, they if they have their way, uh, the Department of Justice and these two prosecutors, Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis, would, would love to have just a string of trials throughout uh, next year uh, interfering in the process primaries as well as the general election. You know, um, Mark Meadows is also former chief of staff to President Trump. Greg Jarrett also is debating now. He's been in court. They did a filing. He's trying to move the Georgia case to become a federal case, which would give him a more fair jury pool because Atlanta isn't exactly a fair jury pool, a balanced one for the president. You know, there's still a guy, one of the co-defendants with Trump is still in jail. I I mean, this is this is insane, Greg Jarrett. Well, it is. You know, uh, there are huge problems with the Fulton County, Georgia indictment. Um, This is not racketeering. That's utterly absurd. Uh, And many of the accusations in the 98-page indictment refer to acts that took place well outside the jurisdiction of the district attorney in Fulton County. Uh, You're talking about Arizona and Michigan. Um, and a couple of other states. And so that is a basis for uh, under diversity and subject matter jurisdiction for removing it from state court to federal court. So I think not only has Meadows uh, done that already, but I think Trump's defense team will do the uh, uh, do the same. Where do you think it's headed um, also with uh, Joe Biden? Because uh, McCarthy made a lot of headlines mm-hmm. saying that they're inching closer towards an impeachment inquiry, Greg Jarrett. Yeah, and I think that is true, and it's deserved. Uh, you know, Devin Archer's testimony made it abundantly clear uh, that he and Hunter Biden with the active participation of Joe Biden, we're selling access uh, to Biden as vice president and promises of future influence. And, you know, the House Oversight Committee is focusing much of their investigation on Burisma, the mother of all scams. Uh, you know, under siege, this Ukrainian natural gas company hired Hunter as a board member at a staggering salary of a million bucks a year when his father was vice president. And then the chief prosecutor in Ukraine, Viktor Shokin, uh, moved to seize many of the assets of the CEO, Zlochevsky, and and he moved to shut down the company. The Burisma Burisma CEO then met with Hunter Biden personally in Dubai, demanded he get his dad on the phone, which he did. Thereafter, Joe flies within a couple of days to Ukraine and demands the firing of Shokin, or else the U.S. would withhold a billion in taxpayer aid. Uh, and, you know, that extortion worked like a charm. Within a short period of time, the prosecutor was canned. The investigation into Burisma vanished overnight, and the money continued to flow to Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. And by the way, you don't have to show that Joe Biden received a penny of the money. Read the statute on bribery. If the money goes to another person or entity, it is still bribery. Greg, Greg, this is Pete King. First of all, let me thank you for the commentaries you've been giving on this all along. But again, I mean, I've, it's been a while since I was in law school, a while since I practiced law. 
But to have the RICO statute interpreted the way it is in Georgia goes against all the legislative history. What Ad- uh, Bragg is doing here in Manhattan is such an abuse. And for Smith to be scheduling this, having the judge schedule it the day before Super Tuesday, to me, this is such a clear and transparent abuse of power. And uh, I, I, listen, I'm uh, basically I have uh, an opponent of impeachment. I voted against Clintons. I voted against Trumps. But if ever there was a time for impeachment, I think it's now. It's the only way to get the facts on Biden out before the public and let the people decide. Oh, I think it's absolutely clear. And, you know, with respect to the Georgia indictment, Congressman, as you point out, um, this is a disgraceful abuse of prosecutorial power. Uh, The conduct is not racketeering. That requires proof of a corrupt, highly organized criminal enterprise, if anything, Uh, President Trump's efforts with others to challenge the election result uh, was disorganized. Um, It's not illegal to claim that an election was stolen, even if you're wrong about it. Hillary Clinton did it. Stacey Abrams in Georgia did it. False claims. Stacey Abrams is still doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she still hasn't admitted she lost it before. (laughs) Yeah. The Supreme Court, in in an important case, U.S. versus Alvarez, said false claims are protected speech under the First Amendment, nor is it criminal to challenge the results of an election or seek to overturn it. Democrats did it in three prior presidential elections. Like Trump, they challenged certification of electors. They demanded further recounts. All of that is permitted under law. When Democrats do it, it's perfectly fine. When Trump does it, it's racketeering and conspiracy to defraud the government. That's nonsense. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you. We love you. Thanks for being on the show, Greg. And we always appreciate, like Pete said, your great analysis. Thank you, Greg. My pleasure, always. Thank you. Now I understand we have Congressman uh, Michael Michael, Yeah, and he is on fire uh, leading a group uh, of 32 different House members urging the president no plea deal for the 9-11 terrorist mastermind. Uh, Congressman Mike Lawler, great to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me. You know, this is amazing that there's even they're even entertaining this plea deal. Why did you feel so passionate about it? I say bravo. I mean, to give Khalid Sheikh Mohammed who, you know, orchestrated the 9-11 attacks so carefully with Osama bin Laden. I, I think it's disgraceful. Well, I, I just think it's abhorrent. I, I mean, you know, I was a, a freshman in high school. I was on my fifth day of freshman year of high school uh, when September 11th occurred. Uh, By the way, you're making today. us all feel very old. I want you to know that, Congressman. And <laughs> hey, 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 Mike, I've always been a big supporter of you, but after that remark, I don't know. <laughs> To to today, uh, we still have 9-11 first responders uh, dying. And, uh, you know, we're going to be coming up uh, in two weeks, a bunch of 9-11 ceremonies uh, that I will be attending throughout my district. Uh, And just the the idea that this is even a consideration by this administration is such a slap in the face uh, to the families, to the victims, to those we lost. Uh, and continue to lose. Uh, and I think Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, who, along with Osama bin Laden, uh, was the, the mastermind behind uh, the, the deadliest terrorist attack uh, in, on our nation's soil, um, needs to be held fully accountable. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, the death penalty 
uh, must be part of it. And like what kind of support are you uh, getting from other members? I, you know, we had about 35 members, uh, bipartisan uh, mm-hmm. letter that we sent to the president. Um, you know, and I want to commend you, Pete, uh, for all of your work over the years representing not just your district, but uh, the people of the state of New York, especially on 9-11 related uh, issues and uh, the 9-11 health care fund, uh, the Zadroga bill, to make sure that our first responders who put their lives on the line, uh, you know, got the health care benefits and support that they deserved and were entitled to. Um, We we certainly miss your voice in Congress, but uh, Andrew Garbarino, myself, Nicole Maliotakis, and and many of my colleagues, Anthony D'Esposito, you know, we're, we're stepping up to uh, you to guys doing a great for, job, uh, great New job. Yorkers. And as far as I'm concerned, the president needs to uh, immediately uh, push back against uh, the Department of Defense and DOJ on this and uh, say no. Yeah. Uh, this is just totally unacceptable. I literally just ended uh, mobile office hours in my uh, district. I had a 9-11 first responder come in. He showed me the letter that he received on August 1st from the Department of Defense uh, and showed me the letter that he sent back, uh, basically, uh, you know, pleading with them not to enter into a plea deal uh, with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Uh, that would not include uh, the death penalty. So uh, this is real. It is something that is impacting people all across New York. Uh, and across the country, I mean, there's 434 out of 435 congressional districts have someone who is currently uh, receiving uh, benefits from the 9-11 health fund. So uh, this impacts all of our uh, communities. And I just encourage all of my colleagues in Congress, uh, those who didn't uh, join us on the letter, it was a quick turnaround. But, uh, you know, I hope all of my colleagues will join me in, in opposing uh, this idiotic and disgraceful uh, potential plea deal. And Congressman, today is the anniversary of the uh, 13 soldiers that died in Kabul? Yeah, yesterday at, yesterday? at Abbey Gate, yesterday. John. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and still the, nobody accountable. Nobody accountable. Nobody demoted. Nobody moved. No, we, you know, I'm on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, earlier this year, Chairman McCall had a hearing uh, with respect to uh, you know, what occurred uh, two years ago on, on uh, the 26th and the, the loss of 13 service members. Uh, we had service members uh, testify, including one who uh, lost his arm, lost his leg. Uh, and, and he had uh, uh, spotted and identified uh, the suicide bomber and uh, was not given the authority uh, to take action. And the administration's handling of the withdrawal uh, was absolutely uh, out, outrageous, uh, and you know, really, uh, you know, the, their failure to take responsibility—the failure of the president of the United States to take responsibility for his decision to withdraw, regardless of the facts uh, on the ground at the time, uh, and regardless of of what we knew would happen as a result of that hastily uh, put together withdrawal. I went and uh, reviewed classified materials, uh, the descent cables, uh, just uh, a yeah, little they, over they, a month ago. They had the warnings. Uh, they had the warnings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to go to a hard break. Congressman Lola, thank yep. you for uh, 
uh, coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Great and work, you keep Mike. up the great fight. Yes. Thank you. And right after the break, we're going to have we have a, a Suffolk County, uh, uh, well, he, he's candidate, candidate yep. Ed Romaine, and he's going to follow Bruce Blakeman and say, Suffolk County is not going to be a sanctuary county. Let's see if he's tough enough to, to, to do that. Then Governor David Patterson talking about today is what? Yep, it is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And guess who we have after that? Bill, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us now is uh, Suffolk County. Uh, he's running for county exec. And he wants to follow Bruce Blakesman's uh, footsteps and say, no way is Suffolk County going to be a sanctuary county. Ed Romaine, what say you? Absolutely, John. Suffolk County is not going to be a sanctuary uh, county. We are not doing that. I understand the problems of the city, but that is a philosophy that they decided to pursue and their policies are coming back to really hurt the city. Huge expenditures to take over 100,000 migrants, people sleeping on the streets, not enough housing. I don't want that for my county. Hey, yeah, this is Pete King. Let me just say, I've known you for decades. You're tough, you're strong, and I just hope these people of Suffolk County realize that, that you will be a man of your word on this, and you will never allow Suffolk County to be a sanctuary county. Are you endorsing him today, uh, Peter I endorsed King? him yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But he's a great <laughs> friend, a great candidate, and a great public, great public official. And, and let me tell you, it's a pleasure to hear from my good friend, Congressman King. He was a tremendous advocate for this island in all the years in the United States Congress. I only wish to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, you got a tough act to follow with no, him. Ed, Ed Romaine is <laughs> more than enough to do the job himself. Believe me, he's great. Well, and, that's, you know, this, this sanctuary stuff with these immigrants. We believe in immigration, but it's out of control. And, and Ed, what kind of reaction are you getting from other folks you're talking to? Because there is such frustration. I mean, you see it all over. You see it all over Manhattan. Uh, they're worried, of course, in Nassau, and also they're definitely worried there in Suffolk. What what reaction are you getting from other people? Because it seems like it's not just Republican. It's Democrats. It's independents. It's be, it's not a political well, issue. They wanted to put last week, they were saying they were threatening. And you know what Curtis says? Curtis says when they threaten, they actually mean it. That they're going to put uh, West Hampton Beach Airport. Yeah, uh, right. Grubesky Airport, the yeah, Airport. Guard, yep. they're going to make it a sanctuary airport and, and bring in thousands and thousands of... Uh, uh, yeah, and look what happened when that happened last time. They came in. I, I You know, I you know I have a, a home in Suffolk County, and I sleep with a gun underneath my pillow. Now I'm going to need two guns. <laughs> Ed, what do you think on this? Time is finished. Look, we... We understand what the city is a sanctuary city. That's fine. That's their decision. But you know what? Don't take your policy missteps and push it down on Suffolk County or Nassau County. We don't need that. We don't need 10 cities. We don't need our school districts overburdened. Today, the migrant, who I feel bad for, they're coming from countries with unrest and a whole host of other things. But you know what? 
It's different than 30 years ago. Usually you used to have the single guys come, work here, send money home. Now you're seeing whole families come. Our school districts aren't prepared to take all of these kids. This is incredible. This is a city problem because of their policy, which is a mistaken policy. We don't want to follow in their footsteps. Hey, Ed, this is Rita Cosby. Well, you know, Did you see Tish James, yeah. by the way, John? He was talking about it in the schools. Tish James. Yes. Uh, by the way, Tish James, I was with her on... Saturday night, she was at Father Alex's Blue Dream Gala. Which is always she beautiful. She looked great, spoke great, and she introduced the uh, Suffolk County, the woman uh, uh, police commissioner or something. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But she's pushing now, John. She basically has sent out a message saying that school districts, at least right now in New York City, and we'll see where it, if it goes into Suffolk, uh, but she's saying now that they have to be required that it's not appropriate for them to turn you know you know migrant kids around that school is just about to start there's going to be like 20,000 new kids potentially wait, wait, in these schools who's checking these kids for diseases nobody it seems nobody ed yeah. i mean are you ed, worried look suffolk county would you let these kids in your schools if they haven't been checked for diseases we think that anyone coming into our country should be vetted are they bringing disease diseases that should be treated before they're allowed in? Are they bringing fentanyl in? Are they bringing human trafficking? What's happening? No one's checking. We have open borders. This president has failed to secure the borders of our country. And New York City and several other areas, San Francisco, other cities, Chicago, are paying the price with the migrant influx. This is not the way you have an intelligent immigration policy. This is the way you absolutely destroy cities like New York. And Mayor Adams is beginning to understand that. And he's saying, help me. I want to push all of these people on other counties because I can't Well, maybe Westchester County. I understand there's a, uh, there's a county chair in Westchester County that's welcoming, welcoming migrants. Send them to Westchester County. Yeah, it's a Democratic one, isn't it? I think. Well, uh, yeah, we'll find out. He's the one that that's saying send them to me. Well, I think we got to get we got to get the names out there. Do it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Ed Romaine. Keep fighting for the people of Suffolk, and uh, we'll hope to see you real soon. Good luck, Ed. John, thank you, thank you for speaking power to the truth. Thank Keep you. us posted, Ed. Thank and right you. Right now, we got Governor Patterson, and he today is a special day, and he's going to talk about it. Uh, Governor Patterson, come on in. John, how are you? We're happy to I, I have you here. You, I missed you on uh, for a Saturday morning for breakfast. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I kind of overslept Saturday morning, but I'll make it up to you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Governor, we're thrilled you're here because we today have, this, is This weekend, Saturday morning, we have Governor Cuomo for breakfast. Oh, that'll be an interesting one. That'll be an interesting okay. one. So, you know, so Governor Patterson, this is a huge day. It's the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. This is the Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech day, which everybody knows. Uh, talk about the significance. Well, um, the significance to me is that I was supposed to attend the March on Washington with my parents. However, there were threats against potential marchers coming from the Ku Klux Klan and other sort of subversive organizations. So my parents made the decision not to take me to the March on Washington, and they were not my favorite people that particular day. But the uh, and and the crowd was about two hundred and forty thousand people. When you watch the videos, you would think there were, there were a million people there. 
I think it was a reaction to the threat of violence on that particular day. The significance of the day, first of all, is that the White House was not a big fan of Dr. King having this march and were sort of trying to keep a distance from it. But after the march was over and that incredible speech that he made, uh, President Kennedy, who was fearing that maybe he was sliding a little left of center and he was going to be running for a reelection in 1964, made a very, very, very great statement about that particular march. Now, one of the issues at the march, which I think is generally unknown, is that a number of ministers who were part of Dr. King's organization threatened to boycott his march because he was including Bayard Russin as his speaker. Bayard Russin was known to be gay. Uh, when they told him that they were going to leave, his answer to them was, well, then I guess there'll be a smaller march. And that's kind of the ascension of Dr. King from a civil rights leader to a human rights leader, because he really stood up for all types of injustice, particularly what was going on in Israel in 1967 when he actually supported the Six Days War. And I don't think many people actually know that he actually did. So there are a lot of issues. But my favorite one about the march is that he had given the same speech about 40 times before. He changed it somewhat that day. But it's. His uh, people who work with him were tired of hearing the speech. They would say it with him because they knew it so well. And they asked him, please do us a favor. Change that speech. We're on national television now. So he did change it. All he changed was the title from Let Freedom Ring to I Have a Dream. Wow. And it became one of the most famous speeches ever in world history. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we remember him. We honor him. Uh, and our memories of him are very uh, I'll tell you, I always have a good memory of him. What, a, what an incredible, I think he's one of the most heroic Americans ever, uh, figures in history. Him. Oh, what a tragedy. They killed him. What a tragedy. In my that. personal belief, the same person, the same people that were involved in Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, John Kennedy, and, and Martin Luther King, same people. Some, it went a loss to society, John, that he's gone. I mean, he, I think he's one of the most towering figures. Wow. Let's also today acknowledge the great work that uh, Basil Patterson did and the great work that David Patterson did as governor. What, what a family, what contributions they've made. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> we'll catch I didn't even up with know you. know you were there, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're going to take a break now. And when we come back, Bill O'Reilly, and he is mad as heck. And uh, we're going to hear what he's mad as heck about. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, everybody talking about the migrants and our next guest uh, knows a lot about it. Joining us now is the great Bill O'Reilly. Of course, he is host of Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every weeknight on WABC 9 to 10 p.m. He's got so many mega best-selling books. His latest one is Killing the Witches. He has over 19 million books sold, and we're thrilled to have him here on the show. Bill, uh, your reaction, things are getting really heated um, at these protests and counter-protests. Where do you see this going? Because New York City is busting at the seams. Well, first of all, Rita, thanks for mentioning witches. It'll be out September 26th. We can't wait, and, by the uh, way. And you got to come on my show and come on here, too, also both sure. shows about it. Whatever, whatever you guys want. Um, but let us let me give you a, a few short takes about the migrants, um, and then you can ask me uh, anything you want, and I'll, I'll fill in a little bit more detail. So 
this uh, illegal immigration problem is the responsibility of simply one man, and that's Joe Biden. So the day that he took office, he signed an executive order which stopped Donald Trump's Remain in Mexico program and basically opened the border to anyone who wanted asylum for any reason, because Biden knew there weren't enough judges to adjudicate all of these uh, claims. He knew that the cartels were going to instruct the migrants to claim asylum. And he knew that by this executive order, they would all be able to do that in the United States. So Biden is solely responsible for 7 million people coming into this country unsupervised and without resources. That's number one. Biden himself tomorrow could stop this by writing another executive order that says the United States is going to suspend all asylum claims for six months. Nothing will be heard. That means that no one can step foot in this country unless they sneak across the border, unless they get through the labyrinth of Border Patrol and what we have down there to prevent them from coming illegally. Biden will not do that. But he could do it. One person could stop this. All right. Now, if he signed that executive order, it would be challenged in federal court, but he would delay it, could delay it for more than six months. Bill O'Reilly, yeah, I just had uh, I just had Ed Romaine on, who's running for Suffolk County yeah, executive. And uh, he is saying, you know, and I live there and I like I, I, I joked around. I sleep with one gun underneath my pillow. If they let those people in West Hampton Airport, I need two guns. Well, let me get to that, John. Just a, a couple of more things. Go ahead. If this migrant thing had blown up this time last year, Lee Zeldin would be governor. Okay? Because New Yorkers across the board now are furious. Only the far-left zealots are supporting this insane policy. So Zeldin would have beaten Hochul. Hochul knows she's in political trouble, which is why she's turned on Eric Adams and says that she isn't going to uh, force anyone, any county, to take migrants. The counties themselves can sue New York City if Adams puts anybody on a bus and sends them to Suffolk, Nassau, or any other county in the state thereby tying up New York City and perhaps winning the lawsuit. Damages are the county has to spend X amount of money to deal with these migrants. So what you're seeing now is desperation on the part of the Democratic Party. And every New Yorker should understand this. All Cuomo should be asked in his breakfast on Saturday with you, and I may show up to that, but I'd frighten everybody, so I'll talk to you about it, John, is What's your solution to this problem specifically, Governor? And then, of course, the Nobel thing should be rammed down his throat. But you have a situation now where I'd say 75% of New Yorkers of all parties know this is insane because we cannot, we, the state of New York, support these people. Final point. By allowing these migrants into the public schools, which Letitia James will order to happen, okay, you're putting children who are unprepared 
or the academics into classes where many of these children don't even speak the language. So you're going to create chaos within the public schools across the board here. And who's going to suffer? The children in the public schools. The American, the American children will suffer. Yeah, and school just starts. And, and, and we're already, the kids are already suffering. The kids are now number 56 in the world in education. Yeah, but the migrant kids will suffer too because there'll be the inevitable backlash against them by some of the other students. The New York City Education Department is unprepared for any of this, as is Mayor Adams. So our leadership in this state is desperately unprepared, and you never hear them admit the problem emanates from their own party, the Democratic Party. That is never uttered. And it, listen, I mean, I said this last year at this time, if you vote for Kathy Hochul to be governor, expect everything in the state to get worse, and that's exactly what happened. Well, I think when it comes up, and we'll make a commercial with you, uh, and the commercial, you'll say, you'll, you'll point your finger out and say, whom do you trust to keep you safe? Well, right now, we don't have anybody keeping us safe. That's it. Um, now, You're right. a word a word about the protests themselves. So Curtis Lewa is doing the state a service by being a vocal leader against this. The mistake Curtis makes is he demonizes the migrants, and he should not do that. As far as the protesters and counter-protesters, there are very few counter-protesters, and they're mostly anarchists. They're people who just look for trouble. But you've got to feel sorry for the police and restrain yourself, because every time a police officer has to get in the middle of a melee, that officer risks injury. So I'm all for public protests, but don't take it to the level where a police officer has to intervene. Agreed. I think that's responsible policy. But what are you going to be talking about tonight on your show uh, between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock? All right. So there is an unreported story that happened on Friday, last Friday, and the media totally ignored it, where Joe Biden told a reporter he has not been interviewed, nor anyone has requested that he be interviewed by the special <laughs> counsel looking into the documents. Eight and a half months that special counsel has been on the case. And according to the president himself, has not even asked to speak with him. You don't think the fix is in on the Justice Department? You don't think our federal government is corrupt? Listen to me at 9 o'clock tonight on WABC. Wow. Robert And Attorney General Garland, they wanted to make him Supreme Court justice. Ugh, it's um, amazing. Isn't that unbelievable? It's amazing. I don't like Mitch McConnell at all, but that's the one thing McConnell did that I respect in the last uh, few years. He blocked Garland. Yeah. And and by the way, Bill, you probably saw also uh, that in D.C. today, just a little bit ago, uh, the judge there ruled uh, for it to start. This is the Trump 2020 election case, the federal case there. Start the day before Super Tuesday. Real quick. You can't make it up, Bill. Thank you, uh, Bill O'Reilly, and uh, dial uh, Bill O'Reilly on WABC 770 on your dial or WABCradio.com worldwide or BillOReilly.com. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Hey, guys. By the way, the other thing I forgot to tell you, 
Uh, I had uh, lunch with uh, uh, Mike Milken over the weekend. He had a big conference over the weekend oh, wow. in, in Southampton. <laughs> you had a busy weekend, John. And I, I sat next to the ambassador of Australia, who's the former prime minister, and he wants to come on our show. Oh, wow. That'll wow. be good. There's yeah, a lot that, of stuff there. is a great ally. Yeah, great huge, ally. especially military, doing tons of great stuff. Can't wait. You had a packed weekend, John, you and Margo. Wow, love it. And uh, what do we all stand for, John, in the middle of all this? Truth, justice, justice and the American way. way. God bless America. God bless New York and Suffolk County. God bless Suffolk County. Make the right decisions. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.